0: We're going to be looking um, at Psalm chapter 33. Now just, if if you had been looking on the email, uh, you would see that uh, it was supposed to be Psalm 30, but as the week went along, I sensed the need for a change. Don't ask me why, I just think it was the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at uh, Psalm chapter 33 today in the waiting room. Now can I say right off the bat, I don't think we like to wait do we? Is there anybody here? It's sort of like, come on, faster, faster. We need more and faster. So we don't like to wait. Uh, Back in the old days, it used to be if you missed a stagecoach, that's okay because there's another one coming next week. Nowadays, if we miss one segment of a revolving door, (laughs) <laughs> we almost have cardiac arrest, right? Because we got to get moving. Got to keep moving fast. I remember standing at an elevator, actually, and pushing the button and pushing the button again and pushing the button about five more times. Just, come on, let's go. We're, we're sort of in this thing, aren't we, in our society. We want things to happen fast. It's the old prayer, Lord, make me patient and do it now. <laughs> Immediately. So... Um, Anyway, I want us to read this this passage. And just before we do, I'd like to say that waiting is kind of the norm of life. There are certain things that happen fast, but most things just happen slowly along the way. You think of Noah. He was told to build an ark, and he was to keep his faith. And uh, till it rained, and it took 120 years. And he faithfully kept going, trusting God. You think of Job, who lost his family, he lost his home, he lost his health, he had boils and so on. We don't know how long it took until he was better. But he had to keep trusting God in the midst of it. Job, think of Abraham, he was 75 years old. 75, that's older than me. 75 when he was asked by God to leave his home and to go and that God would make him into a mighty nation. And he died at 175. And he never saw that mighty nation. He was still trusting God at that time. He was waiting. Think of Joseph. Joseph was the guy whose brother sold into slavery. Do you remember? And he went down into Egypt and he was uh, there. And he did everything right, and he was falsely accused and thrown in jail, and 14 years he waited in jail until he got out and his name was cleared. Waiting. And you think of Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he became a follower of Jesus Christ, he had to wait three years before he was actually commissioned into uh, at three years of training. So waiting is sort of how it is, and some of you, I bet, as we're sitting here, and probably maybe all of us, you probably are saying, eh, I think I can, I can identify with that. There's certain things I've been praying for, waiting for, longing for, and they're just, they're, they're, they're not happening actually. Maybe some of you are single and you want to be married and you're waiting. Some of you are married and your marriage isn't going the way you hoped it would at this point, and you're waiting for something more. Some of you have been going through illness and you're wondering, how is this going to turn out in the end? Maybe there are financial issues or all kinds of things and we're waiting. There must be something better to do in the waiting room than to fret and pace and bounce off the walls. I think it's a wonderful idea to put a psalm On our lips, to fill our minds and our hearts with the truth of God's word, and to be encouraged with the truth of God's word. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me, please, and we're gonna read together Psalm 133. It's a psalm really about waiting upon the Lord, and what do we do while we're waiting on the Lord? So help me read this, would you? Verse 1 Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He's faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on the earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Thanks. Be seated, please. If I could take this and put it in one sentence, I think I would say this. As we wait, in all the sort of unreconciled, things of life, as we wait, let's praise God and recall his character because he is absolutely dependable and faithful. As we wait in all the confusion of life, let us praise God and recall his character because he is absolutely dependable. He always completes whatever he begins. So let's, Look at this. The first thing that God tells us to do here is he calls on us to rejoice in him even when times are tough. Now, why would we do that? Give praise to God because it's appropriate for his children. This these few verses. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. Even if we're in the midst of unreconciled issues and difficulties, still sing joyfully. Give praise to God because it's appropriate for his children. You see the first part, it says it's fitting for the upright to do so. It's the right thing to do. It really is. Um, This psalm may have been written by David, actually in the Septuagint Which is the Greek version uh, or Greek translation of the Psalms. It says that it's from David, but uh, in the Hebrew, it doesn't say that. However, the Psalm immediately before this is Psalm 32, which is written by David. I want to read to you just a little bit of this because how could anybody say that they're actually righteous? Are we the righteous? I mean, are we perfect in everything that we do? Sing joyful to the Lord, you righteous. Um, David, as you know, um, he committed some pretty big sins. And Psalm 32, immediately before this, was probably written immediately uh, after he came back in repentance to God after his time of uh, adultery with Bathsheba. Do you remember the story? David is up on his big um, balcony, and he looks over here and he sees this woman bathing in the evening, and he lusts after her and he wants her, and he sends somebody to get her, and he takes her and he commits adultery with her, sex outside of marriage. And then of course, he has to kill the husband, get the husband killed, so that he can cover this up, and then he tells a lie. For a whole year, and eventually a prophet comes to him and tells him a story, an amazing story. You need to read this if you don't know the story. And when he finishes with the story, he says to David, you are the man. You're the one. And David repents. He turns around and he realizes this thing's been killing him all this year anyway, this guilt upon him. And this is what he writes in Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. After he gets the forgiveness of the Lord for these awful things he's done, how can he ever be forgiven? Well, it's the grace of God, isn't it? It's amazing. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Because when I kept silent for that whole year, as he just kept it all inside himself and tried to cover it up, he said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. David, how could you ever call that guy righteous? Well, you know what? Somehow, in God's amazing grace, God took the sin of David and lifted it off of him and carried it over, and Jesus said, When he hung on the cross, he said, I'll take it. I'll take it on me so that he can be forgiven. Is this amazing or what? And then God takes the righteousness of Jesus and he lifts that up and he places it on David. He says, David, I'm calling you righteous. I'm not counting your sins against you anymore because you've repented and you've turned back to me, and you believe in me, and you're going to follow me. This is the amazing truth of redemption, of actually being saved, of washed clean. I want to ask you, what kind of music do you think God likes? It's not a trick question. (laughs) I know some of you think there are only two kinds of music, country and western. (laughs) what kind of music do you think God actually loves I'll tell you what God loves the sound of a redeemed person singing to him whatever they're gonna sing God loves the song of the redeemed people who've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ who just sing to him it doesn't matter what it sounds like (laughs) it's beautiful in his ears are you with me He loves this, and that's why he says, whether we're going through good times or bad times or whatever, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous people, you who've had your sins lifted up and removed away from you, and the righteousness of Jesus placed upon you by faith, by the grace of God through faith, because it's fitting and right for you to do that. Does this make sense? It really is. We have received the grace of God upon us, and We have every reason to rejoice and to thank the Lord for this, even when our circumstances are tough and difficult, maybe even more. So uh, this text also says that we praise him with skill and freshness and fervor. And I just wanted to say that I enjoy the music at Forest View Church. I think it's done with skill. There's a lot of skill up here this morning. And um, there's freshness there are new songs and actually new experiences from God demand new expressions of those experiences right and there's a fervor now we may not have as much fervor as some people in the world I'm going to Africa in about three weeks time I'm going to be over there in Kenya and leading some trainings for pastors over there and I'll tell you when I'm over there there's fervor in worship, people dance to the Lord while, while they're singing. There are hands that are raised. the body. It's, this is a body, soul, and spirit kind of worship when people really move. But you know what? Fervor can be a lot more than just moving around. Fervor is the expression of our hearts, the delight in the Lord because of all that he's done for us. So with skill, with fervor, and with great joy. So the first thing is, Let's let's praise the Lord. He calls us to rejoice. The second thing we see in this psalm is that we're called to reflect also. Uh, He calls us first to rejoice and then he calls us to reflect. To reflect on what? Why can we praise the Lord in the midst of difficulties? Because we reflect on the character of God. Now there are a bunch of things here that come out in this text. And um, I just want to say this, that the Hebrews had this idea of backing into the future, all right? So the future is over here, and I'm backing into the future. You might say, that looks dangerous. <laughs> but who can see the future? Can you? We don't know anything about the future, but we can see the past. We can see the faithfulness of God. We can see the goodness of God, the character of God in the past. So as we take a close look at God and all his character in the past, then we know that as we move into the future, kind of blindly, because we, don't, we can make our plans and everything else, but we don't really know, that we can trust the God who is faithful and loving and all these other things we're gonna see in the text because we're backing into the future, knowing the character of God. So here's the first thing that we see here, and that is that... Um, Worship is God-centered. So the rest of this psalm is God-centered, all about his character. The first thing is that his words are never empty. The word of the Lord, we have a wonderful God who always speaks truth, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He's faithful in all that he does. We could preach a whole sermon on this, on the dependability of God's word. Let's move on to the next one. His words are never empty, they're true. He sticks by us, and he is loyal. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Now, what you can't see here is that in the Hebrew text, unfailing love is one word. It's the word chesed. Now, I wonder, don't spit on anybody, but I'd like you to say this. It's a good Hebrew word, chesed. Would you try it? One more time, chesed. It's a Hebrew word which means the faithful, loyal, never give up, never quit, never let him go, love. It's used of God and his love. Don't we sing one of those songs called, he'll never let me go or never give up, or how does that one go? Do so, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's nodding his head. Yes, we do. <laughs> we sing something like that. Well, he'll never let us go because of his chesed, love. And that's what it says. It's this unfailing love. There's this incredible story in the Bible about this guy, Hosea. You know the story of Hosea? If you don't, you need to go home and read it today. It's a little book. And Hosea was a prophet, and Israel was actually very profitable and peaceful at the time, and they had actually turned their back on gods, on God, and they had chased other gods of other nations at the time. And um, so Hosea was to be like a, like a uh, like street theater. He was to do something to give a lesson to the people of Israel. So what he did was he married a prostitute. And they had three kids together. And this woman was with him and not with him and with him and not with him and then her name was Gomer. And then she left. She left him. So here's a single parent with three little kids. And this this wife is off playing the prostitute. And the message for Israel was, you're, you're like this to me. I've given myself to you. I've married you. I've taken you on. And you're just out. You're You're playing the prostitute with all these other gods. You've forgotten me. You've left me. Israel promised to love and walk with God, and Israel was unfaithful. Gomer, the wife, promised to love and walk with Hosea, and she was unfaithful. But the incredible part of the story is this, that later on in the story, Gomer has gone so low in her prostitution that she has nothing left and she's put up on the auction block as a slave. Do you know the story? So here she is standing here in all her shame. Now she's gonna be sold for a slave. And God says to Hosea, go and buy her back. Oh, God, how could you ask me There's no record of him ever saying this kind of thing. But I tell you, I think it might go through many of our minds. How could you ask me to do what? He goes and he starts to bid on her. And somebody else bids and he bids more. huh? And somebody else bids and he bids more. And he buys back his unfaithful wife. And he takes her to himself and he covers him up covers her up with his garments, and he takes her home, and he loves her. Amazing grace. Unfailing love. Chesed. That's the kind of love that God has for us, and for us to never, ever take that for granted. What a God we have. You know, there's a ton of other stuff in this Psalm. I just want to move through it really quickly here. The next thing is that he is all-powerful. We're thinking of the character of God. How can we praise him when times are tough? Because he always speaks the truth, he sticks by us, he's all-powerful, and it's amazing to me how over and over again in the scriptures, references made to creation when it's talking about his power. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, the starry host, and so on. I I love the creation. I love what God has given us. I love being in the mountains. I love hiking. Uh, He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Ruth and I were at Niagara Falls this week. One-fifth of the world's fresh water is in the Great Lakes and goes over that falls. Uh, So, he gathers this into jars and makes God seem pretty big, doesn't it? If he's just collecting, the I mean, this is imagery, right? Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. There are other narratives of how the world came to be. Every culture has its own stories about the creation and how things came to be. And many of them, like uh, in the ancient Near East, uh, the Babylonians and Assyrians and others had stories of one God fighting another God and all these battles and this kind of thing to find out who's going to create the world and and rule the world. And in the Hebrew story, you know what God does? Because he's the real God, the big God? He speaks. (laughs) Things happen. He's not fighting with other gods, because he's the God above all gods. He's powerful. He is powerful. So what's next here? He's working out his plan. Look at this. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. So here the contrast is between our itty-bitty efforts to try to get things done, and we try things and we get frustrated and so on, and the plans of Almighty God. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. God's plan that in the fullness of time, Jesus would come here and live this perfect life and give himself for us on the cross and resurrect with amazing power and send us the Holy Spirit to live within us and, and help us to live for him, empower us to actually bring about change in our lives. He is powerful. The transforming God, He's powerful. And he's working out his plan in our lives and in the world. What's next? He sees clearly and continually. From heaven, the Lord looks down. Do you ever feel like you're invisible to God? <laughs> like, does he notice? Lord, do you notice what's, what I'm going through just now? He sees it all. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. And what's next? He loves us and is able to help. Here's a, you know, this talk about you know, trusting in our resources, horses. Anybody watch the Calgary Stampede over the last couple of days? Okay, Ruth and I saw some of the horse stuff yesterday. You know, There's strength in horses. But we think of our resources and how we trust in our resources and how they all just sort of leave us. But God himself is the one. I love verse 18. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. He sees us. He sees you on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, his chesed, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. So it brings us then to the very last point, and that is that how can we praise God in the midst of difficulties? How, by looking at the character of God, by counting on the character of God, and then he calls us to rest in that, to rest in the character of God. Um, We wait in hope for the Lord. He's our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love, may your chesed, Lord, be with us, even as we put our hope in you, to trust him in the midst of whatever you're facing. Got any rivers? you think are uncrossable, got any mountains you can't tunnel through. God specializes in things thought impossible. There's not a thing that he cannot do. Close with this thought from C.S. Lewis. He said that when we trust in God, when we wait upon him, it's like um, a cord of a rope how you take rope and how you actually you twist it together and you braid it to make it stronger. And C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, I take my small, thin cord of rope, my life, my faith, my um, weak piece of rope, and I wind it around, I braid it around the steel cable Of God's chesed love. And there's strength there. I don't know what you're facing today, but God is with you. If you've trusted Him, you can take your little cord, wind it around the steel cable of God's presence and His love and His kindness to you, and you can stand firm. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your amazing love toward us. We thank you that we can wrap our little lives around you and trust you and be strong because you are strong. We acknowledge, Lord, this strength is not in ourselves, but that you are our rock, you are our fortress, and we trust in you. Lord, help us in the midst of our struggles and our difficulties whatever they may be, to trust in you, to wrap our lives around you because you have wrapped your life around us, Lord God. And help us to walk in obedience to you and to praise you and thank you as we remember your character and trust in you. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So this psalm, really, ends up being about Jesus, who is the full revelation of God's character. When you look at all those beautiful things, all those character things about God, all of them are fully revealed and perfectly revealed in the life of Jesus Christ. He is is the full revelation of God to us. And so we get ready just now to take this bread and to drink this cup and to remember that it was God himself who came here in the flesh and lived this perfect life, demonstrating all those beautiful, the character of God for us, reaching out to us so that he could be to us what he was to David, to take the sin off our life and to take the righteousness of Jesus and put it on us and to say, you are my beloved daughter you are my beloved son. You are clean. You are washed because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and in his powerful resurrection. And this is a piece of good news. This is really good news. So in your heart today as we prepare to take this bread, would you offer up your thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's done? And could I say this? If you have never over- opened up your life to Jesus, and actually invited him in, and welcomed him, and invited him to forgive you, and to lead you forward, you could do it today. Okay, Cole, will you come, and we'll sing, please, and we are going to, yeah, come, and um, we're going to place these, I think we're placing them in the tables, And we'll go to the tables. It looks like there are a couple of tables at the back and a couple at the front. And so when you're ready, uh, come and take the bread and take the cup with thanksgiving to the Lord Jesus Christ.